lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. 888-900-3393 is the number. If you'd like to join us today, you can also let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email the program Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And don't forget, if you're looking for samples of this show that you can view and then share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Theology Thursday, we're going to look at the story that has gone uh, gone viral this week. I've never heard of Hawk Nelson, but I'm old now. Aaron, are you familiar with this band? We played them on our student radio station at the college that I went up to. I think they maybe came and played on campus one time. Other than that, I I couldn't tell you what their most famous song is. Well, apparently they're a big deal in contemporary Christian music. And is it the drummer or lead singer, I want to say? One of the members. A member of the band has come out and said that he's an atheist, basically. He's lost his faith. And he's given some uh, specific reasons why. And we're going to take a look at those coming up today on Theology Thursday. We'll have three non-political questions as well. At the bottom of the hour, one of the most surreal interviews I've ever done will occur. Because 20 years ago, I met a former University of Iowa football player that just came bouncing into my little sports talk radio studio in an off-season because we had two things in common, uh, a love of college football, and we were both active in Republican Party politics. Little did I know that 20 years later, that same individual and I would end up having another conversation, this time on one of the largest media platforms in our industry, and with him now the former acting attorney general of the United States. Matt Whitaker is going to be joining us here at the bottom of the hour to talk about his new book. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by burning it to the ground. Violent protests continued in Minneapolis last night as protesters sought to take their pound of flesh in the form of vandalism and looting after the death of George Floyd at the hands of Minneapolis police. Looters picked over a Target store in Minneapolis last night and in the process attacked what some are calling an elderly woman struggling in a motorized wheelchair. Protesters also looted an Aldi's store, a U.S. bank branch, a Cub Foods supermarket, a Wendy's fast food establishment, as well as an AutoZone location, and set fire to the latter. Perhaps the rioters' greatest accomplishment last night was burning an entire affordable housing project under construction to the ground. I have never seen anything like this. 
The building's beginning to collapse. The building is collapsing. The building just exploded. Oh my God. Minnesota Congresswoman Elon Omar says, our anger is just, our anger is warranted, and our priority right now must be protecting one another. According to the Associated Press, the aforementioned George Floyd, the man killed by police, which sparked days of unrest and violence, was stopped by police because he'd written a bad check. Protests also broke out on the streets of Los Angeles regarding the killing of George Floyd yesterday evening as well. Moving on, President Trump is preparing to sign an executive order targeting social media companies and essentially warning them not to interfere with the upcoming presidential election. This executive order comes after Twitter recently marked a few of Trump's tweets as misleading. Another 2.1 million people filed jobless claims last week, bringing the total since mid-March to nearly 41 million. Reports circulated yesterday saying New York Governor Andrew Cuomo received large donations from a nursing home and hospital system lobbying group during his primary contest for governor in 2018. The report connected that incident with the legislation he quietly signed last month absolving nursing homes from legal liability regarding the coronavirus in their facilities. Outbreaks at long-term care facilities in New York State have resulted in as many as 5,000 deaths. In good news, Disney World and Orlando has announced they'll be reopening their doors starting in July. This follows the announcement from Universal Studios, also in Orlando, that they'll be reopening in early June. Over 20 Republicans in the House of Representatives have sued Speaker Nancy Pelosi in an attempt to change a new rule which allows voting by proxy on legislation as opposed to the representatives being in person. The pandemic-driven rule change passed without any Republican votes last Friday and allows House members to direct others to vote on their behalf. Newly unsealed video surfaced yesterday of Planned Parenthood officials discussing under oath their involvement in the selling and trafficking of dead baby body parts. The videos were a part of Planned Parenthood's own lawsuit against the pro-life group Center for Medical Progress. Planned Parenthood has insisted for years they've never sold aborted baby body parts. Planned Parenthood told Congress they rebuffed the deal, and the New York Times reported Planned Parenthood's assurances that the affiliate declined. But now, we know that Planned Parenthood lied to Congress and to the media. Because of the documents and testimony of Tram Nguyen, Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast Abortion Center Director. You just turn to the last page of the document. It says that the fee to Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast for a fetal liver would be $750, and the fee for fetal liver and a thymus would be $1,600. You say, FYI, we're still trying to move forward with this. She responds to you and says, do you want to do this? You respond to her and say, yes, ma'am. Do you remember that exchange? Not until yesterday. So you wanted to move forward with the contract we just saw with those price terms? I know I wanted to move forward with it. Is there anything in writing that says that you didn't agree with the compensation? Objection. Vague. No. That's just one of a few videos released of Planned Parenthood officials discussing their illegal business. And finally, Joe Biden is full of hot air. Or stop work on roads and bridges. So what does a human cost? Uh, in case you didn't hear that, let's take another listen. Or stop work on roads and bridges. 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 So. Oh, boy. And that's what happened while we were away. She makes a little adjustment in the chair to squeeze that one off. And Tom Wolf, did you see the, he's kind of got like a, that just happens. 
What a fitting metaphor for that entire montage. <laughs> oh, Aaron's montage brought to you by Keeps. Kyle and Josh were both losing their hair. No shock since the dreaded male pattern baldness gene ran in each of their families, but the way they dealt with it could not have been much different. Kyle decided, hey, I'll just keep putting it off. Kept losing more hair by the day while Josh went to Keeps to learn how to keep his because Keeps offers the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products. Therefore, they are the real deal. And the generic versions saved Josh a fortune. And all it took was a quick online consultation. He just answered a few questions, snapped a few pics of his hair, and then the doctor evaluated it, everything and recommended the right FDA-approved hair loss treatment for Josh. And it was shipped discreetly to his door. Keeps lets you do all of that without ever leaving your couch, all right? So if you want to get started, half off your first order right now to get you started. That's right, half off your first order. But you got to go to keeps.com slash grow. That's keeps.com slash grow. For the overtime today, we are going to talk about the fact we are now over 40 million, well over 40 million, unemployed in these United States. And folks, I'm just going to tell you right now, no one is getting reelected in president in America with 41 million people unemployed. Nobody is. Nobody. Never happened. Period. So we're going to tie this into Trump's reelection campaign. If, if I were on, if I were at the White House and if I got those 10 minutes alone, I talked about last week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you three pieces of advice I would give to the president, and we will discuss those today in the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is how you can go to subscribe uh, and make sure you don't miss today's overtime or any of the other exclusive content that gets done each day here at Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. You'll get a discount when you go there. If you're already a subscriber, that's also where, you're, where you will go to watch this later today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Let's get to the rest of what is inside of Aaron's montage. And let's begin with, with what's going on right now and in, in our, our neighbor city to the north. Minneapolis is a favorite getaway for people here in Iowa. It's only a couple of hour drive. Pretty much everything Des Moines and Iowa doesn't have, Minneapolis does. A lot of our favorite sports teams in the state, from a professional angle, come from the state of Minnesota. So a lot of us here locally, just as many of you have nationally, have had our eyes on this story uh, for the last few days. One thing I have told you recently is I am very hesitant to comment on racially charged incidents that originally break in the media or on Twitter. There's so much ready, fire, aim. There, there's so much we don't know. And I'm just, I, I got enough problems being wrong when I'm trying not to be. I don't see a need to race to be, to be dumb. I'm not in a race to be stupid. I'll, I'll, I'll get there at my own pace. I, I don't, I don't need to be in a hurry to get there. Okay. And and, and these are so racially charged, so polarizing. It's, it's difficult to draw nuances and distinctions as it is increasingly with everything in American culture today. You're watching the balkanization of a people. We are, we are going to see a revival or a national divorce. That, that is the road we're heading, revival or bust. These things just, these viewpoints just are not reconcilable. The, the level of deception that folks think they are entitled to 
because the alternative being in charge is so bad. When you reach that stage of a relationship, that relationship is over. It's just a matter of who's got the stones to be the one to pull the plug. But the relationship is done. So I, I wanted to wait. I've, I've also been hard on cops recently when it comes to um, bowing the knee to the state and being their little uh, proto wannabe brown shirts. And it's a tough job. Even if you do everything right at any moment, at any moment, because your, your, your job is really to be an insul is being, is to be an insulator of between us and human sin. That, that's really your job. And it's when within that area, Within the area of, of doing that job, even when you do it well, it is not a linear equation. And I, I want to give those that volunteer to do it the benefit of the doubt, especially because we're entering into an era now where I have been as critical of police as I've probably been my entire career and will probably have to continue doing that because... When a culture falls, its institutions turn on itself. But for the life of me, I, I, I don't know why it is ever required to put your knee to the neck. I mean, I, I, I don't know. They were wearing body cameras. The cops were by their own admission. Did, did George take a swing at somebody? We just, I got to believe that if this if there was film of this, that kind of level of exculpatory film, we would have been, we would have been given it by now. What, what possible rationale is there to secure a man with that level of force? Because he wrote a, a bad check for 20 bucks. I, I mean, I've got family members that got busted writing bad checks in the past because they were poor and they had to do like a weekend class on how to run a checking account, those sorts of things. I, I, don't, I don't really care what he may or may not have said. I, I can't imagine anything he said. Well, Stevie might have said, hey, I've got a gun and I'll use it. Well, then you frisk him. You find out if he has it. If he doesn't, then, I mean... What's with the, the pro wrestling finishing move, but for real? What's with that? And this should have been, and it was, it was actually on the tra trajectory to being, a transcendent moment in the culture about race and police behavior. That this was, this was about to become an event that a lot of people on the right that have been hesitant to address these subjects in the past had reached kind of a point of, of no return, where even they thought, oh, I mean, come on, man, really? We're choking a guy out over a $20 forge check? And, the, and have a little self-awareness too? I mean, come on, man. You got to understand the job you're in. A white guy with a black man on the ground restraining him in that way. I mean, why don't you just grab him a collar while you're at it? 
have a little self-awareness here. That it's just it's impossible to defend it based on the information that is out there. And again, I have to believe, especially yesterday, the names of the cops were being wrongly linked to photos online, which, you know, when passions are heated like this, that could, that could be, that could endanger the wrong people, right? I, I have to believe by this, by this point, if anything on those police body cameras was exculpatory in any way, shape or form, we would have learned of it. Well, they went and fired the cops since since I, I have four to be, of them yes, have been fired. Yeah, yeah, I have to believe that. I have to believe by now. Their attorneys, so and even the firing, I can see the city wanting to, you know, CYA, right? But the, the, they're, they're, they're themselves, their own attorneys, I have to believe by now we would have seen it. There's protests that I think were, were from a righteous premise yesterday. And the cops respond with rubber bullets and riot gear. Those that have been protesting race and police brutality in America were about to win the argument, I believe. And then these riots happened. And for the life of me, I... I, I I don't know what you think this will accomplish. Do you think it's going to be primarily white people in an inner city living in a in government affordable reduced housing? Probably not. What good did burning that down do? What what what, what does it accomplish? What has transpired in Minneapolis literally checks the box of every racist in America. Just, just, just checks all their narratives. Every alt-right white nationalist was gleeful to watch that last night. Every racist in America loved it. Gave him a get-out-of-jail-free card from addressing a real issue here. And then I watched... I watched the race virtue signalers and evangelicalism rushing to talk about what a great injustice this was done to George Conway. And I agree with them, by the way. But now you see that they're strangely silent about the riots. Because I don't really think this is about racial reconciliation. This is really about this confronting the sin involved here. It's about you getting you know, ratioed on Twitter as not being some kind of MAGA Trump racist. That's what it's about. And we're back to where we started. All, all the bloviating about this, it looked like we were really going to have, we were about to have a meaningful conversation about this. Maybe, maybe uh, that was my take on it. Maybe I'm misreading the situation. That's probably when you should have just known better because we don't have meaningful yeah, yeah, conversations. Yeah, 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 I should have, that, that's what I should have anticipated. The dumb is about to happen. Dumb will occur. And that used to be an auto zone. Here's your dumb, right? And so now we will all retreat to our silos. No honest conversation is attainable because this is now just another front in the American Cold Civil War. You, you will not be permitted, I mean, I will say it, but most people will not permit you to say 
Every one of the cops involved in this, unless they've got some video we haven't seen, should all go to prison immediately and face the swiftest and harshest in-house justice you could imagine. Because what will happen to them in there, it's far worse than whenever Twitter badasses had in mind. When cops that commit acts like this get put behind bars with some of the criminals that they helped put there. Whatever Twitter badasses thought that they were going to, uh, they were going to accomplish by falsely linking their names with pictures of people that weren't them is nothing compared to what happens inside the walls of Oz. Nothing. And we should have been able to have a serious conversation about this. And now we won't. There'll be some platforms like maybe this one that will try, but corporately as a culture, we won't. I mean, you've got the media now referring to them as protesters. That, that's Burning down housing and private businesses is not a protest. That's a riot. Those are rioters. And they should all be in handcuffs. Probably put in the same paddy wagon with the cops that did what they did to George Floyd. They should all just be sent off together. And a healthy culture should say two wrongs don't make a right. And a healthy culture should have white church leaders saying, hey, um, folks, we don't, um, that, that's, that's, that injustice, we speak out against that. And then should have black church leaders saying, uh, hey, uh, yeah, we don't, uh, uh, thou shall not steal. Anybody read that part? You familiar with it? Okay. Um, you, don't, you don't get to do that to other people's property. Period. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. How'd you like if somebody came to your house and burned it down? But we won't. So this is what happens when each side is convinced of its political narrative, the certainty of its political narrative, or what I think is the case. I think one side is convinced of the certainty of its political narrative and the other side isn't certain about its political narrative. It just doesn't like that side's. But they both agree they cannot live together. They both agree on this. Because when you, when you desire to be in community together, when you, when, when you think there's potential in that relationship, you talk. You communicate. You have transparency, honesty. You have mediation, accountability. Because you know you have to go through those stages to get to restoration and renewal and, and a reunity, right? Do you guys see any of that happening now? Haven't for quite some time. No, I, I don't, sadly. And, you know, I got a very thoughtful email from a, a gentleman this morning asking why, given our show's tendency to go some, to boldly go places that maybe some other shows don't want to go, why we haven't gone more in recent years on racial reconciliation. And I wrote him a thoughtful note back and I'll keep most of that between the two of us, but just as a, as a macro address for the entire audience, I, I, on a personal level, I struggle when I don't think certainty is achievable. Meaning, I am okay with the truth, even if it's bad. 
if it, even if it's not what I want it to be, because I think ultimately the truth is its own reward. That ultimately the truth gets you, even, even if acknowledging it in the short term is painful. In the long run, it sets you free. And, and Todd, you will know this, having listened to my show for years. In other iterations, I probably talked more about race issues than a lot of other conservative shows did, frankly. Oh, when, when you had a local audience, n- nobody did it more or better in terms of bringing uh, black and white leaders, I, fake that leaders a, together. That was a big, fa- that was a big, a big uh, focus, impetus on our show. But in the last few years, I, I don't, frankly, I don't, I don't know how to do it without contributing to a false narrative. And so I have just largely viewed it as a down power line. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's gutless. Well, I'll take that accountability. I, I just don't know if certainty is not achievable. I, I have a tendency to shy away. Some of it's a rationalization. I, I take enough slings and arrows, man, for the stuff I'm certain about. You know, I mean, frankly, if we're just being brutally honest here, I've lasted a lot longer doing this than I thought I was going to going in. <laughs> I did not think I was going to make it this far. So, um, uh, now we're going to walk into maybe the most radioactive topic of them all. And where, where is the certainty achievable? Where, where, where's the lineup of people saying, in, in the 21st century in America, unless he pulled a gun on the cops or threatened to, I should never see, ever, I should never see a cop doing that to anybody unless they did that anyway, regardless of what the color of their skin is. But we ought to be at least self-aware enough to know what it looks like when that happens in 21st century America. That just shouldn't happen. Should not happen. Unless he pulled a gun or threatened to or some kind of weapon or threatened to, period. Shouldn't happen. That's like, if that's in your training manual, rip that page out throw it away that 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 that, that manual sucks don't now that's going to put you in prison and then where you're then free to then turn right around and saying uh, rioting is what makes you a thug and you all belong in prison with the thug cop that did, did that to george conway i mean are we going to see too many panels whether it's fox or cnn we're going to see much of that discussion today do you think I mean, I don't know. I'm asking. I'm just not really optimistic. No, I'm not at all. And so I don't, I don't know how to even wade into this now when it seemed, it seems as if again, the truth is not, it's not, it's not obtainable. It's elusive. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Well, Here's the thing. People have been, including myself, uh, been talking about how what we're watching is uh, the Hunger Games. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that. In, in, in that movie, they, they, they talk about the history, but you basically, in the present time, you have a tyrant holding people down. But there's tyrannies at every level going on here there was a there is a clearly a tyranny within black america 
that allows it in mass to react like this to something, including, and Steve didn't point it out, but it is in the montage, and I know Steve's pointed out on social media. I mean, the, the, the beating of elderly women in wheelchairs. Right, right. We were just talking about if you're a white cop, have some self-awareness. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're black, have some self-awareness. I mean, how, how do you think that's going to look to America? What, what, how does it serve your cause to beat up an old white woman in a wheelchair at a Target? Tell me, tell me who's who. Tell me, Al Sharpton's not going to highlight that video for you tonight on MSNBC. He's not going to want any damn part of that because he's smart enough to know I don't get jobs on MSNBC promoting videos like this, right? Because who's his primary audience? It's not black America. It's rich white America. That's who's watching him. And they don't want to watch some old white woman getting beat up in a wheelchair to Target either. Tell me how that helps your cause any more than a white cop thinking, here's a great idea I have. Let me put my knee full force on this black man's neck and choke him out. Is it, Is anybody using a brain here? Anybody. No. And so it speaks to what you say you've been loath to wave into. You don't need to be... <laughs> It's certainly not cowardice. Uh, it, it's a simple acknowledging of the matter that with all of your uh, rhetorical uh, abilities, you you know on some level you you can't you can't touch this. You you cannot heal this. It it is beyond you. Both sides are tr are showing that to be true right now. Both sides have become feral. We are not remotely a people capable of governing ourselves and we keep proving that over and over again yeah the reason why the reason why it's it's loathe to try to wade into this is because it's trying to deduce any plan or any truth yeah. in the joker yeah okay both sides how did dylan roof think that what he did uh, in South Carolina, served his interests any better than any number of those thugs last night busting through auto zones and targets. It doesn't make any sense because it's just the spirit of the Joker. We'll come back. Former acting attorney general Matt Whitaker is going to join us here next on Blaze TV. Stay tuned. So now that the warmer weather is here, states are reopening, people are kind of getting back to normal, slowly but surely, kind of behind schedule, right? We're heading into June soon, but uh, people are just now probably getting around uh, looking at uh, home improvements, spring cleaning, things of that nature. If you're looking around at your carpeting and you're thinking, hey, we got to do something about these pet stains and odors, I think I got to bite the bullet here, make the big purchase for new carpeting. Before you do that, give Genesis 950 a try. It's an amazing pet stain and odor remover, and it's made right here in America. It breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they are gone for good. Plus, its antibacterial component removes pet stains and odors, not just from the carpeting, but from the padding. That's why the carpet after you shampoo it looks great up top, but it still smells in the room. It's because of what's going on down in the padding, and that's where Genesis 950 takes the fight. All right, so it can be used in your carpet cleaning machines, and it's so green that it is safe for your family and pets as well. You can use it to clean anything in your house or garage, but it really shines on those pet stains and odors in the carpeting. If you want to try it, you'll receive a discount if you use the promo code BLAZE when you go to the website at Genesis950.com. Again, use the promo code BLAZE for a discount at Genesis950.com. Well, I mentioned this uh, at the top of the show when I teased what was coming uh, on the program today, and I don't even know if he remembers this. Uh, we both had a lot more hair then, him especially. 
But uh, 20 years ago, I had a guy come into my uh, studio at a place called Sports Radio The Jock, a station that doesn't even exist anymore. Uh, and uh, it was introduced to him because we had two things in common, a love of college football. Um, I'm, I'm just good enough to watch it a lot. He was good enough to play it uh, for the University of Iowa. And then we were active in Republican Party politics. And now 20 years later, we are sitting here. Um, I'm probably not any better dressed than I was that day. Uh, and um, I am, though, on a much larger platform than I was at, that, at the time. And so is he, uh, because he's the former acting attorney general of the United States. And his name is Matt Whitaker. It's good to have you on the show, brother. How are you? Steve, I remember that day. I'm doing well. Um, I, I, can, I can picture it in my mind's eye right now. And I'm trying to remember. You played a voicemail or a, a clip of some radio um that you had done uh and you know i i had a, I had a really awful comb over at the time yes I remember that yes and uh and so yeah but i was very glad you know and we've boy we've we've done this many times and you are on i'm proud of i've watched your success and i'm proud of it I, i'd like to say that every time you've interviewed me i've helped you uh, go to the next level you probably have that in your uh your clip roll that, that, that you are the karma here. That's right. Yes. So I appreciate that. And it, it was surreal too, for me to wake up one day and I'm like, Holy crap, Matt Whitaker's Jeff Sessions, chief of staff. And then Holy crap. I sent you, I even sent you a text when I got that news. Matt Whitaker is now the attorney general of the United States. Yeah. It just goes to show you are living proof. My friend, literally anybody can do anything in America, right? You are living you know, proof. You're of that. right. You're right. And I, I remember that text. And not only did you just say, congratulations, you, you gave me some encouragement and a reminder. Uh, I, I, I could pull it up right now on my phone, but it was something <laughs> to the effect of stay humble and do your job. Yes, yes. <laughs> and watch your back. Watch, right. watch your back. No kidding. All right, no so kidding. let's start with one of the things I like to do with our audience is you've been on the the policy enforcement side of this i've been in the activist side of this and so i i try to you know whenever i have access i've been on a campaign or something to give our audience kind of what life is like on the inside all right and so the book that you wrote uh, about what went on while you were the acting attorney general above the law the inside story of how the justice department tried to subvert president trump i want you to take us on the inside what what do we not know that we just get from hearing names, Rod Rosenstein Stein, because I've heard it pronounced both ways, so I don't know which one it is. Maybe you can finally right. clarify that for us. Christopher Ray, uh, Papadakis, or Dopolis, whatever his name was, Devin Nunez, yeah. who wrote the yeah. forward to your book, Adam Schiff. We hear these names on the outside. We, we see what gets selected to run on cable news or where they appear on TV. Connect dots for us on the inside. What really went on here? Well, I mean, to some extent, you had an administration uh, that was working hard for the president. Uh, you know, st I, got, I got to the Department of Justice in October of 2017, so about eight months, nine months into the new administration. Um, you know, many of the mistakes, you know, I just think like Reince Priebus was gone, the first chief of staff, uh, you know, and so there was, there was some, some different folks. Bannon had just left or was leaving at the time. And so sort of it was, it was almost... Um, I'd say part two of, you know, kind of we're, we're probably at part three or four as, as the president is finding the people that he's comfortable with, like Mark Meadows, uh, for example, you know, where he's really feels like he's picking the people he wants. And so I arrived, um, you know, with a, with a task of uh, helping General Sessions uh, try to, you know, bring the Department of Justice uh, not only, you know, under control, but also to make sure 
that the president's agenda was being accomplished. As you can imagine, it was in the early days of the Mueller investigation. He had been appointed uh, in in May of 2017, and there was, you know, it was it was it was a chaotic moment. And my role was to, you know, bring order, discipline, you know, kind of what I describe in the book as regular order. And um, but what what you appreciate when you're working and living in Washington D.C. is just how uh, awful the media is, and and I and I and I paint with a broad brush because you know it is. I, I can't imagine. I I I don't have enough digits on my hands and feet to count the number of times that some reporter from one of the major news outlets uh, was trying to get my contact information, try to you know sort of cozy up with me, being friendly, sort of wanting to go to lunch, whatever else. And really, all they were trying to do was just like you would see a Russian spy snuggle up to, you know, a potential asset. And it's uh, it was just it was kind of it was it was so transparent and so obvious. And um, you know, there was uh, there was never. I mean, you know, and again, I not. I mean, I was smart enough because I'd been in this you know game as a U.S. attorney and sort of was you know sophisticated enough to understand what they were trying to get. But they were just it was constantly anytime there was a a rumor on the street, they would first talk to each other and then they would go out and try to find a source. And so it just, they used to, you know, kind of constantly, if they had your number or got it from somebody and they always, if they didn't have somebody else's cell phone, they'd ask you just if you'd give it to them. It was, it was a, uh, it was a constant and ongoing uh, harassment uh, to, to get inside dirt. And, you know, I, I just wasn't going to play that game. Uh, I knew that my boss, Jeff Sessions, uh, didn't, like the media and didn't, you know, didn't do off the record or, you know, it just, he just kind of was prickly about talking to the media at all uh, because he, he was, you know, a veteran of Washington, D.C. for 20 years and understood the game. But I just that was the thing that struck me was just how many people were trying to uh, befriend me solely for the purpose of developing a, a, a source. And and it was so obvious who had been developed because you would look at these leaks and I would always apply kind of my version of Occam's razor where, you know, who benefits from the story? Mm-hmm. And almost always that led you to the conclusion as to who had planted these anonymously sourced stories that often were inaccurate or half-truths. And, and yet every day in the New York Times and the Washington Post, that's what, that's what we would read and, and, you know, and, and oftentimes had to have to respond to, even though they weren't the truth. What's it like working for Donald Trump directly? And I would argue maybe other than Secretary of State, Yours was the most powerful position in the entire executive branch, aside from the president. What was that like? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, you know, I spent 13 months where, you know, the president wasn't very happy with my boss and having to bridge the relationship between the White House and the Department of Justice, uh, you know, kind of used every skill that I uh, didn't even know I had, quite frankly. Um, You know, the Department of Justice and, the, the you know, what I write about in my book is how they did try to subvert. Uh, the president and, and you know, undermine and, and kind of undo the 2016 election. And that's not hyperbole, Steve. I, it, it's not just to sell books. It's really, um, if you look at the people on the cover of the book, Jim Comey, Andy McCabe, Pete Strzok, you know, I can point to evidence of where they did not follow the traditions and the rules and regulations and regular order of the Department of Justice. Uh, and, and, and it's the, the motives were obvious. Uh, I think if you, you know, if you look at and read all of the well-referenced, uh, you know, footnoted items that I lay out in this book, both 
my experience and then what is, you know, kind of what has been revealed. I mean, the, you know, the real sad news on this is, you know, I, I could probably write a whole second volume on General Flynn. But to get to your question, uh, you know, Donald Trump is a force of nature. He never he never stops, never tires. I remember, you know, I would get phone calls from him, um, you know, really at all times of the day uh, if something was on his mind. And, and and he's not one to just sort of call to small talk. He wants to call to make sure that you're on the same page and understand what, you know, is on his mind. And so, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. I, I, he was tireless in, uh, you know, indefectible uh, big words, you know, Iowans have a hard, me, Ankeny, Iowa, you know, high school grad has a hard time pronouncing that word. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, he was just a, a, you know, he was very kind uh, to me and always encouraging. And, uh, you know, if anything else, I would have to say that I was, uh, you know, he put me in a situation where, you know, I was either going to sink or swim. And I was glad that I was a, I was up to the challenge and was able to swim uh, fast and hard for the time period until I handed it over to Bill Barr. We've got five minutes and I want to use the remainder of that time now to connect some dots. I don't want you to give away all your trade secrets so people will buy the book. All right. So I have to give all the, all the specifics away, but let me start with a big picture question. Is there any possible motivation for what we've been through these last few years with and no Russian collusion after all. A 27-minute phone call to Ukraine that I believe one impeachment uh, witness was actually on, and the rest of them just kvetched about the president won't uh, follow my foreign policy suggestions and things of that nature. Right. All right, uh, on and on it goes. Is could there be any motivation other than they literally were trying a coup? Is there is there any you, you were on the inside? Can, is there any way this all went down other than the most nefarious motivation here? Yeah. As I've reflected on this, both with what I know and what I watched and also, again, what, what transpired over the course and now, again, continues to be revealed almost by the day. It's hard not to believe. I think, you know, I think, you know, coup to me is, you know, um, you know, a, 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 a uh, forceful overthrow. And so I think this was uh, something where. A case, uh, you know, Donald Trump was an outsider. Donald Trump was not, uh, you know, kind of conventional by any stretch of that word. And so, uh, you know, most of the establishment, and again, there is a, both on the right and the left, a establishment that believes that they kind of control the lever, levers of power. You point out that these people disagreed with this foreign policy. And, you know, kind of what I would say to that is, you go run for president mm -hmm. and you, you know you you get elected based on your vision of what our foreign policy should be no one liked it the, certainly the dc establishment didn't like it there was all there were all these outsiders all these new people that had you know that believed that actually things could change and i think this was the revolution of the establishment to try to reinstitute you know their control of this and you know again i think it continue i think the battle continues i think you know sort of both the russian collusion fable and the you know Ukraine uh, phone call impeachment, I think we're both completely contrived in order to uh, create a case to uh, that was strong enough to impeach and remove Donald Trump as president. I, I don't think there's any other way to look at it historically, and I think the case is only going to get stronger as as more and more is revealed. Finally, you mentioned Flynn. They literally writing in their case notes. How do we entrap this guy? Um, you were there when the Kavanaugh. Fiat, where they put that man through eight different FBI background checks and tried to end his life, things of this. So I've got two minutes left now. 
here's the great frustration I have and much of my audience has. When do people start going to prison for this stuff, Matt? Yeah. Well, so first of all, you know, I talk about in this book, there's a chapter on the double standards and it talks about how Andy McCabe can do the exact same behavior that General Flynn is alleged to have done. One gets taken through the fires of hell and the other gets a complete walk from, you know, the D.C. U.S. attorney. Uh, I think you look at how Kavanaugh's um, reputation was completely, uh, you know, kind of not only I mean, it was just it was ridiculous. The the accusations uh, you have, you know, the, the creepy porn lawyer who, you know, cr- produced some, you know, client that, you know, alleged some allegation that wasn't true. And there were so many people. And, and, and I, I think, you know, Chuck Grassley, uh, Iowa's senior senator, referred many of those witnesses or allegations or people making the allegations to the Department of Justice. You know, we I can't talk about what was pending at my time, but let's just say that those were taken very seriously and may still be open cases uh, that, that should be investigated. I think, you know, John Durham's investigation, who's the U.S. attorney from Connecticut, I think is the real deal. I think we heard Bill Barr say there are targets of that investigation and crimes were committed. And so it would be very interesting to see how not only he proceeds with his case, but also what he produces for a report about the origins of the Russian collusion fable. All, all of that being said, uh, I, you know, when, I, when I'm back in Iowa, when I'm all over the country, uh, you know, that's the first question people ask mm-hmm. me is when is somebody going to be held accountable? I think that not only is that day near, but, you know, remember, uh, all three of those people on the cover of my book, we fired. Uh, we, many others were moved out. And I think one of the challenges that continues to face the FBI is Chris Ray needs to explain the changes that have been made. And the reforms that have been implemented, because right now, I think a lot of Americans don't think enough has happened to ensure this never happens again. And I think that's, you know, that falls squarely on the shoulders of Chris Ray to, you know, to give that comfort. I know he's, he's a quiet leader, but he's got to speak out on some of these reforms to make sure that things like what happened to Carter Page and General Flynn don't ever happen again. Name of the book, Above the Law, the inside story of how the Justice Department tried to subvert President Trump. Uh, Matt Whitaker, the author, former acting U.S. Attorney General. Good to see you, brother. We'll do it again uh, soon. Good to All see right, you, my take friend. Care. God bless. Thank you, for sure. Gentlemen, your thoughts on that conversation? Uh, it's fantastic. Uh, the only place I don't line up uh, with Matt is that it, it definitely was a coup. And I think we, we just, that's hard. That's really hard to come to terms with, but we're living in a failed state on multiple levels. And the sooner we acknowledge it and start using terms like that because they're true, the sooner we can heal as hard as it will be, because healing is going to be an (laughs) S-O-B. Aaron, thanks for the inspiration. Thank you. Yeah, boy, this show has been really inspirational today, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know what any of this matters without people going to prison. I think it probably doesn't matter. I, I think it's just, um, well, that's the swamp. If nobody goes to prison, we'll chalk up the attempted overthrow of a duly elected uh, president in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We'll chalk that up to, well, that's the swamp. No, something's got to change. Agreed. Something has got to change because that can't just be the new standard of swampy behavior. That can't. It, it just cannot. If there's no accountability, the behavior will continue. 
because you've incentivized it for it to do so. All right, we'll come back. Theology Thursday for, for to lead off hour two is next. And greetings back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. 888-900-3393 is the number here to the blaze. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. If you've not yet done so, please consider leaving us a five-star review if you dig the show, if you think it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. The more of those we get, the more likely we are to get to continue to do this because for some odd reason, it makes the algorithms like us and rank us higher and help us find more people. I don't know how that works. Frankly, I'm not even sure that it does, but I'm just, I'm just saying what I'm told here. All right. Plus, I think we could all use a little bit more affirmation. Couldn't you? A little bit. I'm not, I'm not one to turn down any kind words. What do you think, Todd? These days, every little bit helps. Indeed. So let's keep those five-star reviews coming. All right. And if you've already, hey, Steve, I've already sent one. Have you sent those seven more? Just going to throw that out there. I don't know if that works, but at least try all of your different burner accounts and don't lie to me that you don't have any. All right, let's keep it going. Thank you. All right, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, three non-political questions. But let's get to Theology Thursday this week. All right, I'm going to take a break. I've got one more uh, essay for my New Testament class to share with you. We'll do that next week, unless something else happens that makes me think, hey, I want to talk about that because it's timely. All right, but here on my trusty phone um, is a headline from our friends over at the Daily Wire. Lead singer of Christian rock band Hawk Nelson says he no longer believes in God. Now, I could see why that would be a problem, <laughs> given, given your vocation. Branding alert. Yes, right? So, so I, let me begin by giving Hawk Nelson credit. He is actually showing some, something that is sorely lacking in much of American culture today. Some self-awareness, right? So, at least he's owning it to some extent. Um, John Steingard is the, is the, is his name. He is the lead singer for Hawk Nelson. Apparently they're a big deal in contemporary Christian music, but it's past my time. So I don't know anymore. Like the last big thing when I was, you know, still uh, hip and trendy was like casting crowns and mercy me. And that's, you know, like 2006 and eight now. So I'm, I don't know. Okay. But Aaron, you're telling me that they, these guys when I, were on your college campus and stuff. They were kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. yeah I'd okay. say so. Yeah. All right. Okay. So just for context, how old roughly is this guy? Aaron, would you? No, no. Um, I'm looking at a picture of him. I would guess thirties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I figured as much, but all right. He announced on Instagram last week that he no longer believes in God. Quote, I've been terrified to post this for a while. Now here's what I'm going to do with this. I am going to have a one-way conversation with John because he's not on the other end of this. But I am going to respond to everything he says. That's my plan. I'm going to respond to what he says in real time. Okay? So I'm going to pause and respond. When I see, when I see something I want to respond to. And then when I'm done, I'm going to let you guys clean up in aisle nine. Okay? All right. He says, I've been terrified to post this for a while. Now, John, let, let me stop there for just a second. Okay? John. This is going to go well. John, I, I, I fully intend for us to have a serious conversation. 
And I fully intend to take your, your skepticisms. I mean, I was a skeptic for many years. Most of it simply because I just didn't want to believe. Not that there weren't good arguments. I just really didn't want to consider them. But I've been a skeptic. Uh, the, the best emails we get on this show, the absolute best ones, are people who were doubters or had doubts and they bring them to us and we address them and, and, it, it, and they come back and say to us, I, wow, I never looked at it that way before. Ironically, one of the greatest compliments I've ever received in my career was with an executive producer at MSNBC who interviewed me for a contributor gig right before the 2012 election. And she looked at me in between seven F-bombs and said something to the effect of, you're the first person I've ever met with your belief system that makes me think somebody smart could actually think this way. Okay, so, I mean, I love engaging doubters. I mean, there's a, there's a paradoxical nature to Christianity that I think, that I think, that I think proves its accuracy. That those who are on the front lines most ardently fighting for it are often the ones that face the most temptation or the, the, the most struggle in their personal lives. Because if, if, this, was a, if this was a ruse, if, there, if this wasn't life-changing existential information, then there would not need to be any opposing force out there attempting to undermine those that were, that were sharing it, Right. Right. I mean, if you if, if if you happen to believe that My Little Pony is the is the is the is the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, there is not like you know the My Little Pony demon, the My Little Pony Satan, that's out there like, man, we got to stop that person from sharing the goodness of those ponies. How do we undermine that person? How can we bring strife into their life? How can we tempt them? How can we get them to fall? Nobody's, nobody, there's nobody stopping you. Nobody. From sharing, if, if you believe in the ultimate righteous goodness of My Little Pony, there's nobody out there from sharing that that's your tenderoni. Nobody. Nobody's out there like, that needs to be stopped. On the other hand, there are absolutely, take it from someone on the front lines of this. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> trust me. There are, there, are, there, are, there are forces at work that want to undermine those of us on the front lines of this. Okay? Trust me on that. So, John, we're going to get along great. Even if at the end of this conversation, we don't come to an agreement. If I can't persuade you or you can't persuade me, we're still going to get along great during this conversation if we both agree on one ground rule. One. Only ground rule I'm going to ask, John. Don't lie to each other. Okay? Don't, don't do that. You don't lie to me, I won't lie to you. Because John, I think we both know that your Instagram page has received the most hits and probably the most attaboys than it's ever received since you did this. That the amount of people lining up to tell you this is the bravest thing you've ever done is overwhelming. John, I, I work for a fairly substantial national platform. The size of my following, while not ginormous, is also not inconsequential. And John, I didn't know who the hell you were until you put this out there. Never heard of you. 
Okay. So, John, all I ask, that's why I did just, I, I got I to call a personal foul, John Steingart, all right? Just one rule of engagement. Nothing's off limits. You are welcome to lobby any skepticism, any doubt you want. I'll do my best to respond, and I probably won't have answers to all of them because I'm not God. I'm not omnipotent, okay? I don't know the answer to everything. I'll do my best, though. But, John, all I ask, and gentlemen, you tell me if this is, if this is unfair, one ground rule is all I ask. Let's not lie to each other. Okay? Is, that, is, that, is be, that fair? You're about to be disappointed, I have a feeling. Okay. All right. But isn't, is, it's, it's, that's okay. Don't you think to ask for that? Just let's be honest about it. Oh, it's okay to it, ask. It's like, the person, it, it's, like, it's, like the, it's like the person who's coming out as bisexual or gay in Hollywood. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And you're like, I don't know, man. Tweets from 1988, if Twitter existed back then, no, Rock Hudson, it's not hard. In fact, you're going to be in every damn movie now. Okay? There's literally only two members of NSYNC. Anybody knows what they're doing right now. And one of them is because he's the one that had the most talent all along. And the other, because he announced he was gay. And he had the least amount of talent. And he's still everywhere, Lance Bass. I couldn't even remember the guy that had all the talent. What was his name? With the curly hair? What was his name? Timberlake? Yeah, Justin Timberlake. Thank you. So he's still everywhere because he's got a lot of God-given ability. Lance Bass is still everywhere because he just told us 10 years ago he was gay. So no, it's, it's it, no, no, there's no bravery there. That's like the, that's like the, that's, that's a career boost. Okay. So John, from here on, I'm, I'm going to call this one a mulligan. Okay. We're just going to pretend you didn't take, we're going to pretend you went up to the T and you didn't swing. We're not even going to, we're not even going to record this one in the scorecard, John. All right. So don't, we're gonna, and now that we're agreed, let's move on. I hope this is not the end of the conversation, but the beginning. Just asking questions. I mean, I don't know the answers. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking questions here. You know, I mean, did God really say? What I'm trying to tell you, John, is you're not the first being to attempt this tactic. I hope this is encouraging to people who might feel the same, but are, but are as afraid to speak as I am. Now, John, I thought we already agreed. I thought we already agreed we weren't going to lie to each other. How many books has Sam Harris sold? How many books has Dan Brown sold? Who's the other? Uh, Richard Dawkins. How many books has Richard Dawkins sold? Answer. A hell of a lot more than Eric Metaxas and Steve Dace. That's the answer. Okay? A lot more. A lot more. Lots. John. Very courageous. Yes. John, you're... Um, there's all kinds of people who feel like you, John. You're now in the in crowd. And when you're afraid to... I mean... It's scientifically proven, literally scientifically proven, like like speech class. Mm-hmm. Like when you, it's like, it people rank that as the most frightening thing mm-hmm. more than like near death experiences. Like it's that. So knowing that, 
when you're afraid, the first thing you obviously do is grab a microphone and go to social media. I right. mean, it's, right. it's science. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to be transparent with you all. I want to be open and also open to having my heart changed in the future. Now we're getting somewhere. Okay. Now here's where I'll give you, here's where I, I, I'll give you credit. I don't think, John, if you were intentionally trying to deceive people, like I, I've, I've done this exercise we're doing. This ain't my first rodeo. It's not often the person that goes down the road that you're on says, I'm, I'm open to having my heart changed in the future. I don't hear that one often. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt based on that, that you really do want to have a conversation about this. You really do. I'm not looking for a debate at all, just a chance to share my story in the hopes that some good could come from it. I love you all. According to Steingart, he always had an inherent problem with evangelical Christian culture, even as a child growing up in a pastor's home, which then blossomed into a problem with the Bible itself as he grew into adulthood. Quote, I remember being uncomfortable with certain things, he said in his youth. Praying in public always felt like some kind of weird performance art. Emotional cries such as, Holy Spirit, come fill this place, always felt clunky and awkward leaving my lips. A youth conference I attended encouraged every team to sign a pledge that they would date Jesus for a year. It felt manipulative and unsettling to me. I didn't sign it. Unquote. So, John, let me tell you, in this section of your story, you and I are probably going to have more agreement than you might imagine. I did not grow up in evangelical subculture. Frankly, my children did, and I'm scared to death of it, which is why, if anything, I went too far as a parent. And it's too late now. They're teenagers. The die is kind of cast. They're, they're at the stages now where they're going to make up their, their own minds in life you learn as a parent. I don't, I don't know if you saw this with your kids, but I don't know. It's 12, 13, or 14. One of those years, a switch gets flipped and suddenly you're dumb or you're not nearly as smart as you used to be. And then, then I notice like 16, 17, 18, it starts to switch back a little bit. Okay. Um, like Anna thinks I'm really smart again. That's my oldest. She's 19 now. Okay. Zoe, the one I've spoiled more than any of the other ones is pretty convinced that I can't even put my pants on in the morning right now. Right, she's fourteen. Okay, and 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 Noah is just a dude. So, um, I'm able. We're able to be just really honest with each other. All right. So, um, but he's thirteen. So I'm anticipating at any point I'm going to come home from this show and be a moron. At any point, that's going to happen. All right. Um, but but I saw some of that evangelical subculture you're talking about. And, and, and the issue that I have with it is salvation by conformity. You know, I look at my own conversion experience. I, I did not want to answer the call. I was well, I was almost 400 pounds sitting in a chair in Kemper Arena in Kansas City. I could not, I could not fit in. So, I mean, I was kind of looking for excuses to get up out of it. And when that altar call came, I did not want to answer it. I was stubbornly dug in my heels. And the next thing I know, I, I'm, I made it from the upper deck of Kemper Arena in Kansas City to the concrete floor. Right there in the heart of the arena. But 
but it was just me and God. I, there was no, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have a dad who was, you know, a public Christian spokesperson like my kids have had to deal with. And trust me, I, I adore my kids. They adore me. They will tell you, I'm not, I'm not perfect. That may shock some of you. I feel, John, enormous pressure to live up to thousands of people's standard. This is where you and I are going to be kindred spirits, brother. Because I think that probably is what's driving some of this for you, if I had to guess. I, I feel enormous pressure. Like, I can't fail. I can't make a mistake. And I make them all the time. And I can't live up to your standard. And I got problems at home, like other people have problems at home. And I have frustrations with my kids, like other people have frustrations with theirs. And they have frustrations with me, like other kids have frustrations with their parents. And I'm not always right. The real frustrating thing is they're now old enough to actually win some arguments. And I don't want to admit they're right. So that just makes the frustration even worse. And in my position, which is probably the similar position to a guy that's the lead singer of a hit Christian music band, you kind of can't join the local church men's group where you guys spill your guts and talk about your search histories and the chicken yoga pants at the gym last night. You, you don't get to do that because you're the lead singer of Hawk friggin' Nelson. You're the guy they bring in to speak. You're the guy they bring in to show everybody else how to live out a series of Pleasant Valley Sundays. Trust me, brother, that pressure, I know. I live it every day. It's higher now than it's ever been because of how much our shown has grown this year. So I understand that part. I did my best to insulate my children from that because ultimately I knew that with the power of my persona and the example that I set, I could make them conform. I could create what we call in the church uh, with the, the version of a church's a church version of a false positive. That's Steve Dace's kid. Get, he gets baptized. She gets baptized. She sings in the worship band. He serves in this group. And it would last for a while until the first time they found out that the old man's got feet of clay and that's why he needed a savior like everybody else. Or the first time they were like, you know what? I don't know I, that I even really internally believe these things. And I think I just did it because I was Steve Dace's kid. Maybe you just did it because you were Pastor Steingart's kid. I think, I, I think one of the reasons why, having thought about this a lot, John, I think one of the reasons why I have been hesitant to accept correction and accountability when it comes to my tongue on the air is because I just almost self-righteously feel like I need to give all of you in this audience a reminder. I'm not your hero. I'm not. Don't make me your hero. You know, a lot of us right now are following what's going on with Rush Limbaugh and his life. And I think he said publicly yesterday, at this point with my treatment in cancer, I'm getting up every day just thankful that I got up today. Right? Didn't he say something like that yesterday? I yeah. read. I mean, Rush has been through four marriages, drug addiction, 
which required a public humiliation. And none of us would have our jobs without him. None of us would. He blazed the trail for every last one of us. So John, I understand, I understand what you're saying here in this portion. Because the amount of emails I'm getting right now from people who just discovered us. And I and I appreciate it. I do. I love the affirmation. And, I, and that doesn't mean there's not responsibility that doesn't go along with the role that I play. I know that. I also know, though, that <laughs> I'm not batting a thousand with the responsibility that goes along with this because I'm a guy named Steve. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the hero. Now, John, here's where we're going to differ, though. Is when we come to this realization as public Christian figures, that we really cannot live up. Whether you come to that agreement, that, that realization at 15 as a, as a pastor's kid, where you feel I've got I've to do every quirky thing that every other kid does, because if the pastor's kid doesn't answer the altar call, if the pastor's kid doesn't stand up to pray in public, what is that, how does that reflect on my family and everybody else? There's two, when you come to this realization, there's two options. When you come to this fork in the road, Yogi Berra once said, the great prophet, take it. There's the road most traveled here, and then there's the road less traveled here. You're on the wrong road, John. You took the road most traveled. And the road that you took, you took the broad way. And the broad way you took was, I don't think I can live up to this standard. I don't, I don't think I can, I can, I, I don't, I can't, I don't know that I believe every last inkling of this. I don't, I don't know, you know, you talked about how you're not comfortable with the Bible, but then you went into human traditions and human endeavors. Further evidence that your relationship to God is actually through other people, John, like it was when you were a kid. It was frankly through your dad, the pastor, your, your parents, the church family, and all the expectations that went with that. And then it was through the Christian rock band. But what about just you and your Lord? Just you and him. Just you and him. I've got all kinds of things going on in my life right now that a lot of people around me don't even know about. I take those things to him every day. Even when I don't react and respond to them perfectly. Because see, I chose the other road. That's the only thing I did in this whole relationship that was smart. Is that I didn't, I didn't say, because I cannot live up perfectly to all of these standards, God must not be real. I looked at it the other way. And said, because I cannot live up perfectly to all these standards, I need God to be. I need him to be. I can't do this. He's going to have to do it. There's been plenty of days I've come in here these last couple of years, not sure how I was going to get into the mindset to put on the cape for you again. And then I go back to this back stall, John, in the men's room here at the office. Humble myself and realize I'm not doing any of this. This isn't about me. And God doesn't need me. 
And tomorrow we may decide, hey, you had a good run. Have a nice life. Got another plan now. See ya. And that's okay. Because I'm not owed anything. I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. How did I get here? How did I get here? I, I, I've not applied for a single job in radio in my whole career. Every job that's been given to me literally was voluntarily handed over. How did I get here? If I allow myself, John, to constantly have my mind filled with what will happen if people find out blank? What will happen if people find out blank? I, I'm going to go nuts. I, I can't live up to that. I can't. And so you know what? The only way to win the game, John, is not to play. Don't try. This isn't about, John, so you want to have a conversation with us. I'll, I'll talk to you. We're doing it now. John, you need to have a conversation with him. This isn't about some fantastical argument I can just lay down on you. Because then you know what it is? You just made the same mistake with me or somebody else that you made when you were a kid. Salvation by conformity. God's not looking for an intermediary between you and him. He's looking for a relationship between you and him. And Jesus went to the cross, John, knowing that you were going to sell probably millions of records or hundreds of thousands at least. Praising his name. And he went to the cross knowing that you were going to put this post on Instagram one day. Betraying it. He knew all of that. And yet, John, he still went to the cross for you anyway. Has anybody ever put it to you like that, John? Or did they say, hey, wear this purity ring and don't have sex and be a good Christian person. There aren't any good Christian people, John. There aren't. There aren't any good because there aren't any good people, John. That's why we need a savior. Has anybody ever put it to you like that, John? That the doubts you're having, the standard you think you can't live up to, that the answer is you're right, you can't. So stop trying to. And Try reaching up instead of reaching out. That might have got a little autobiographical there. My bad. I'm still with you. The whole thing, I'm not big into clap for this and stand for that. I kind of feel like, you know, if you got to give me a Jeb Bush, please clap. If you got to give me a Jeb Bush, can I get an amen? I kind of feel like, you don't deserve one. So no is my answer. I like never, I don't think I've, I've, I've raised my hands in church one time. It is an answer to a question and it's because it spontaneously touched me. So I answered it. But I'm totally against any form of contrivance. I won't contrive a damn thing for nobody. Not for any of you. So no, I won't give you a fake nice or a fake amen or a fake smile. No, I, I, I hate that clunky crap. I don't do it either. By the way, the Lord's not in any of that either. He's looking for an authentic relationship, John. Have you taken any of these issues to him? Any of them? 
I don't know, I'm asking. Or did you internalize all of this and then just vomit on Instagram? My challenge to you, here's my closing challenge to you, because I could do three days of shows on just your Instagram post here alone. I'm going to put a bookmark right here. And so this is the final question and challenge that I have for you, John. Have you taken any of this directly to the most powerful being in the universe? And if, if you have, then I think we take one line of conversation from this point forward to get to the second fork. We're at the second fork in the road now. If you have, and, and then I'd want to know, well, then what went on in your life after that? But if you haven't, which is what I suspect, or you did so maybe on your own terms. I've got a different line of conversation for you. Which is, if you want to be honest with people and you're not trying to intentionally deceive them, after you spent all of these years attempting to live up to a standard you couldn't, and you spent all of these years performing Christianity for people and you don't want to do it anymore, after investing all of these years in a lie, don't you think you ought to give the truth one chance? One. Just one chance. More in a moment. So here's something you might not know about your dog's food, that dry kibble stuff. You know, there's nothing alive in it. Same thing they do with our food. Strip it of like the stuff we most need. The prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, vitamins, minerals, uh, nutrients. Uh, they strip it from our food for a long shelf life and mass distribution. That's why we're taking so many supplements today. Same thing happens with our pets as well. And that's why they could use a premium dog food supplement like Rough Greens. It isn't a dog food. It's a powder that you sprinkle on your dog's food. And it contains massive amounts of vitamins, minerals, all the stuff that I just talked about, even omega oils and antioxidants, the stuff that improves digestion, healthy skin and coat, uh, joint health, mobility, etc. And apparently it tastes great. I don't know. I haven't tried it myself, but our dog Cap absolutely loves it. So if you want to take the Rough Greens 14-day jumpstart for your uh, for your pet, take the challenge today. It's just $14.95, and you'll see the difference in 14 days or less. If you want to see your dog thrive, go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Before we put Theology Thursday to bed and move on to three non-political questions, Gentlemen, do you have anything you'd like to add to the conversation with, uh, with uh, John Nygaard, the now former lead singer of Hawk Nelson, uh, popular contemporary Christian music band? Well, Aaron has this funny thing he said a, a long time ago, but uh, and I'm, I don't know if he invented it or if it's been said before, but he, he said uh, there's a lot more theological accuracy to ACDC's Highway to Hell than there is a lot of uh, contemporary Christian music. Oh, I would really <laughs> like to take credit for that, but that's the B. Okay, well, yeah. it, it, it's there's a lot of that going on in your story, and I I think the whole 
contemporary Christian vibe. I mean, I listen to those stations uh, quite frequently all the time, and, and there's a lot of uh, good stuff. But you know, if if feeling is the vibe you've been going for all along, you haven't really been going for truth most of the time. Probably, if you've been going for truth, there's going to be feeling along with it. But listen, th- this whole thing becoming a Christian band is just kind of a false premise all the way along. I mean, how about just being, you like music? Be a musician. Play, sing about God sometimes, sometimes not, whatever. I think there's a lot of that that's actually in country music. I kind of dig it. Sometimes they're talking about God. Sometimes they're talking about trucks, pretty girls, moonshine. I mean, it's it's all in there. But <laughs> but you never, really, but you never hear this uh, uh, country singer come out. I, I'm going to Instagram and I got to talk about the moment when I don't believe in God no more. There's been actual balance to their life. You've been, it, I think there's a lot of this is you, you're playing to a type. You've been out of balance from the beginning. And that type, back in the 50s, from a Catholic perspective, Flannery O'Connor, a great Christian writer of um, uh, mostly fiction, ended up dying of lupus, had a hard life. But I think I mentioned this on the show a couple weeks ago. But she just has a great saying, like, many of us make the mistake that the Christian faith is a warm warm electric blanket. It's not. It's the cross. And I don't, if right now you seem to be coming right now to the point in your life where accepting the real thing is the real deal. Don't cast it away. You're mistaking a lack of belief in God for the fact that you have feet of clay. That's a key point. With men, I've told, I've, I've said this before over the years, when this happens, there's almost always some moral failing going on in your life. Okay. Take it from somebody who's had numerous. Don't turn away from the swerve. That's how you fishtail. Okay? The, if, you're, if you don't feel like you can go to church after you've had a failing, you're in the wrong church, number one. Okay? But that's actually when you need to turn into God more, not less. Right? Yeah, I mean... Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Begs God, take this thorn from my flesh. We don't know what it is. It's never revealed. And I think it's wise to not reveal it. Because then if we knew what it was specifically, we'd be like, well, I don't have that problem. So that doesn't pertain to me. So we don't know if it's anger, abandonment, despair. We don't know if it's, if it's something carnal. This is a single man traveling the world around all these pagan cultures and probably has temptation all around. We don't know what it is. And whatever it is, he already he has that on top of already being an accessory to murder. <laughs> yes, on top of that, yeah. And what is God? And, 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 and so he hands it over and God says, in that weakness, I will be made strong. See, I can, I can overcome your weakness. God says, I, I can't overcome your faithlessness because that then shows we don't have a relationship. You don't trust me. You really don't think I said it is finished. You really don't believe that. You may think you may have assented to it, but you're living and believing as if you really don't think that because if you did, you would think, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I know I'm just going to trust that the God who rolled the stone away knows how this all ends. And my role to play is, is, is to do what he asked me to do and let whatever happens on top of that, whatever comes out, whatever, he, he will handle that. He's big enough to handle that. See, John, I, I don't think in the end, we don't walk away, John, because we lack faith. It's the other way around. It's because our God is too small. That's why we walk away. That's it exactly. Okay. You, 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 it's not that you couldn't meet God's standard. It's that you reduced him to thinking that's really all that he ultimately cared about. 
was your purity ring and your conformity. No, your God is too small, John. Aaron, what do you think? Again, we talked about this with Rhett and Link a few months ago, the YouTube hmm. stars yeah. who, uh, who decided to release, a, I think, a series of podcasts and videos uh, talking about why they were walking away from the faith. And I made this remark then, and I'll make it now. Um, as many lies as it seems this former lead singer is telling us, maybe telling himself, I don't think there's any question that he's closer to being to the heart of God now than he was before this. Because you're taking steps to actually being honest about your own condition instead of lying under the veneer of all of these things that he discusses about growing up in Christian subculture, evangelical subculture, being uh, the lead of a, a really, really popular Christian band. Those are all things that helped insulate you from your own brokenness, your own feet of clay. And you use them, and he admits in his in his uh, post that you know what I have a lot less to lose now. So this is what it, this is where I'm going. This is the decision that I'm making. You're at least being more honest, it seems, than you were then. And once you're honest, that first the first step towards uh, towards the foot of the cross is actually realizing that that you are a sinner. And that you do need help and that you have feet of clay like everyone else. It requires some honesty and some self-awareness. And when you've got all of these other things going on, even though you know deep down uh, something's not right, uh, that's, not really, that's not really an honest, that's not really an admission that you need a savior. And so I think he's closer now than he was then, even though he's still... It seems like it seems like it right. still seems like he's he's probably he's farthest being, away. He is being more honest right now about who he really is than he yeah. was all those times he conformed to evangelical subculture. Yeah, yeah, I agree with him on that part of it. All right, let's get to three non-political questions brought to you by Simply Safe. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? One that's so complicated you can never use it. This is exactly the type of security system Simply Safe has spent a decade not being and fighting against because they believe that simple is safer. And it's exactly why Simply Safe is the home security for right now when feeling safe at home has never been more important. Put it, uh, take it from me. I, we put this thing together. I did it in like five minutes. So if I can do it in five minutes, a lot of you uh, can do it as well. All right. And you don't need to pay any outrageous monthly fees or sign any kind of a two-year contract. You can order online with a quick, the click of a button, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected 24-7. That's why it was named Simply Safe, The best overall home security of 2020 by U.S. News and World Report. If you want to give it a shot, go to simplysafe.com slash truthbombs simplysafe.com slash truth bombs get a 60 day money back guarantee and free shipping when you go there simplysafe.com slash truth bombs this is the best most affordable home security system we've ever had at our house simplysafe.com slash truth bombs 
We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on The Steve Day Show. Yes, three questions on the Steve Day Show. As the guy with the big voice says, taking a break from the demise of Western civilization, question number one, if you could ban one non-governmental thing, what would it be? If I could ban soccer. Todd, you should do these like rapid fire. Come on. (laughs) All right, fine. Is that a cheap shot? Well, that that takes a significant amount of joy away from me. All right, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. That was that. You're right. You're right about that. All right. So if I, I, I love how that came after Theology Thursday right there. And you, I told you, don't make me your hero. I'm going to let you down. <laughs> then I just, I just warned you. Don't be surprised when the scorpion stings. Right. Um, okay. Um, if I could ban one non-government thing, what would it be? Yep. Um, using children's programming as a means by which to um, whether it's drag queen story time hour, whether it's a Pixar movie, okay? Using children's programming to rob them of their innocence. That's what it would be. They got the rest of their lives to be confronted with the toxic sludge of our culture, okay? Let them be kids. Let them be kids for at least a little while. It'd be that. Karen. That's a good one too. That's a good one too. Uh, I think for me... Um, I would ban any stoplights that are not actually hooked up to sensors. The ones that are just timed, and maybe that's all of them, but they all need to have sensors. There's no reason when I'm heading into work here at 630 in the morning on, uh, oh, I can't even remember the, the street name. There's always a light there that I have to wait like for two minutes and there's nobody else around. I would ban all all stop sign, uh, all stop lights that are not actually hooked up to sensors. Question number two: What's on your Mount Rushmore of Olympic sports, and why? Bat- men's basketball. Um, I'll just go with the ones I've watched the most, so they must be the most interesting to me. Men's basketball, <laughs> hockey. Uh, this is why we, he needs God. <laughs> men's basketball, ho- hockey's like the uh, you know skiing's okay. Not into figure skating or anything like that at all. That's like my only like winter sport when I like is hockey. Uh, so I'll go with basketball, hockey. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give on, you know what? Gymnastics, whether it's Mary Lou Retton, Retton or Carrie Strug, have created a couple of transcendent moments that I've watched. So I'll go with that. And then, um, oh, uh, the 100 meter dash. Whether it's, you know, Usain Bolt to Carl Lewis. I've watched that a ton growing up as well. So the 100 meter dash, men's basketball, uh, hockey, and um, uh, probably women's gymnastics. Like, I don't really care about men's gymnastics. How long ago was Bart Connor? That's like the last name. Yeah. Wow. That's like the last name I remember. Is that like the 80s? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, wow. Okay. So that's 30 years ago. So women's gymnastics, men's hockey, men's basketball, and the 100 meter dash. It is, um, it's track, it's swimming, it's gymnastics, 
And then it's amazing. It should be hockey should be obvious because not only the greatest Olympic game ever, but I don't know what even argue the greatest game ever played in the history of sport is that uh, game against the Russians, the miracle on ice, but hockey, like really in reality, it's not, it, it's not paramount in terms of being a, an Olympic sport. Uh, so if it comes to winter, I'll, I'll go skiing. Okay. I think for me, it's got to be 100-meter dash, bobsled, skeleton, and the uh, half pipe. Those are, I mean, skeleton. skeleton. Have you guys ever watched that? Oh, it's, yeah. It's sledding. I mean, that is intense. You're risking your neck, literally. Oh, somebody every time, died from it. Every every time you go down. All right, tell me more. I might, I'm, I'm, yeah. I might be into it now. It's incredible. Oh, Lord. Uh, what's your most cringe-inducing moment from your childhood or early adult life? Most cringe-inducing moment. I got a black eye once from a girl. I don't even remember what happened. I was in the fifth grade. We were riding the bus back. And I don't remember what occurred. And I don't remember if we were we didn't get along. We were arguing or something about something, man. And homegirl just stood up and clocked me in front of all my buddies. I got a black eye from a girl in the fifth grade. That that wow. took a, that, that took that's, a while to live that one down. That's not cringy. That's just embarrassing. Well, isn't this? Aren't they the same thing? Nope. The first time I came out in a singlet in the seventh grade. There you okay, go. That that was it. That that would be another one. You okay. wrestled. I, attempted. Yeah. That that whole experience from Diary of a Wimpy Kid when he joins the wrestling team. That was me. The one year I didn't make basketball and I played that instead. I just that was humiliating. That was that was a lesson in humility or humiliation. Yes freshman year of high school and i'm amazed that in in high school still like you have units for uh do they still i mean it should just be like general health and weight lifting now but back then you still like played floor hockey and uh gymnastics unit so it was the gymnastics unit freshman year of high school and so i uh not just me my buddies are screwing around on the balance beam trying to do a cartwheel which I, I did many times successfully, but this time I, my like heel came down just on the edge and kicked out. So all my weight went out and I put my hand down to brace myself on the beam. And then I sat on my hand and I broke my hand trying to do a cartwheel on a balance beam as a 14 year old young man. So see your humiliation is a lot cooler than mine. I got, I got punched by a girl. And then I looked really I broke bad. My in hand a, doing a girl's sport. And then I looked really bad in a singlet. That, that, I, that, you're, you're, you're. Aaron, please do something humiliating. Go. Uh, no, I, I don't know. I, I had several cringe-worthy moments growing up, uh, but I blocked them all from my memory, so I can't really answer you're gonna, this you're, question. You're, you're going to leave me hanging out here? Yeah, you bet. Oh, I'm sure I've had. I'm sure I've had several moments. I mean, I was a very awkward, very. Uh, 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 e- emotionally stunted, uh, socially uh, stunted, fired, uh, fired. So, you know, I just not not a whole lot coming to my mind because I've just blocked them all from from my memory bank. Sorry, guys. Really? Yep. John three seventeen.
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.